Welcome to the Eat Local CNY podcast. This week's episode, I am finishing up my conversation with Mike and Mike from IBU Brewery in Maddiedale. You know, you go all in like that, and then to ask or to, to let go, to trust another individual to shepherd forward this giant risk you've taken yeah. it's tough but it, it's it's necessary it's you can't not yeah um unless you're you know running some super low production super craftsman one-off or you know you're building four things a year and making a living off that that sure you could run that by yourself right. or you want to work 70 something hours a week and not have a life i've really enjoyed uh sat down with the two mics about a week and a half ago and was able to just sit down with them for like an hour and a half and chat with them from everything from how they got started and their process and mindset and making beer to their mindset in running the business and planning for the future. Uh, and so I had such a great time talking with them. Today's episode is just the conclusion of that conversation. And I really hope that you enjoy listening to it. If you do, do us a huge favor, hit that subscribe button so that way you stay up to date on when the latest episode of the Eat Local CMY podcast drops and leave us a review let us know what you think of the Eat Local CMY podcast. Well, without further ado, here is part two of my conversation with the two mics from IBU. I mean, tell me what's the biggest lesson you've learned, whether it's from brewing or the business side of things. What's the biggest lesson you think you've learned since you opened? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to have the same question for you as soon as he's done. Probably trying to deal with each other. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a marriage. Yeah. Um, it, he's, my, he's my work husband. Yeah. Um, and we're not gay, though. We're not. Definitely not gay. And not so, that there's anything, not that no, there's anything there's wrong with yeah, that. We're yeah, just, no, I mean, just, I, I call him my husband because, you know, I spend true. more time with him than I do my wife, honestly. Yeah, for and, sure. And it's um, frustrating at times. Without a doubt. And he frustrates me and I frustrate him. And we've gotten a lot better about our communication, although we, d- we definitely have our little blowouts. Um, but I look at Michael as um, so, you know, I had um, I had a business partner uh, who uh, initially and um, it wasn't for him, and he exercised his right to be bought out. Mm-hmm. And it was around, it was exactly at that time, you know, Mikey actually witnessed all this, that he just raised his hand. Mm-hmm. So, he, you know, here's this kid that, that sees that something needs help, something needs doing, yeah. and is just, he's in there mm-hmm. without question. And, uh, you know, I will always love him for that. Um, and, and, you know, he's taught me a lot. Yeah. about um the business not necessarily the brewing or 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 um the process though he's definitely improved my process he's definitely showed me a lot though because i only brewed a few times before i came here so yeah you know i and was like teach me let me learn you know yeah. and, and that's the beautiful part about our relationship is we um fill in each other's it's gonna sound bad. We fill each other's <laughs> holes. <laughs> so yeah, maybe we're gay. So we, we have we have. Not that there's anything. No, right, there's no, anything wrong right. with that. No. No. Uh, no. So no, it's um, uh, we have blind spots, both of us, yeah. and we help each other to, to hmm. see what the other one doesn't. Right. Yeah. And so, 
Um, so, you know, learning to embrace that learning and, and, you know, as a, a logical guy, I have, I don't even know if that has anything to do with it. I have control issues. Yeah. Um, and, and I've had to learn to, um, trust yeah. others, uh, cause you can't do everything yourself. Yeah, for sure. Um, I tried that. And, and there's a, there's, work. I mean, there's a certain point as a business owner where, you kind of have this um, theoretical view of how you want to act and think and respond as a business owner. But you also want to be a friend at the same time. Well, there's that, but you also, there's just a certain way. Like, you know, I have, uh, there's people that have worked for me in the past where I'm like, I have complete trust in you because that's what I've heard every other business owner and entrepreneur tell me is just yeah. give and and then but in reality it's very hard to kind of turn that yeah. complete trust over correct and and one of the things that a lot of people don't understand about entrepreneurship is you know um when I committed to this so I I had a relatively solid income I had a home I had a car you know yeah. typical life I literally liquidated my existence. Hmm. So my retirement, I sold my home. I used a little bit of the equity for the next one, uh, but the majority of the equity went into this place. Um, I was lucky enough, I guess, to own one of the um, VW diesels. Hmm. And so they bought it back <laughs> for me under threat of lawsuit. That's amazing. For a solid chunk of change. Yeah. A lot more than I would have gotten if I had just sold it on the open market. And hmm. so all of that went into this and then all of my um, savings. Yeah. And so you 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 know you go all in like that and then to ask or to to let go to trust another individual to shepherd forward this giant risk you've taken yeah. it's tough but it, it's it's necessary it's you can't not yeah um unless you're you know running some super low production super craftsman one off or you know you're building four things a year and making a living off that that sure you could run that by yourself right. or you want to work 70 something hours a week and not have a life but even then yeah, yeah. i mean at a certain point you can only put in 70 hours a week so you right. could so you could that's brew three day, that's you could three do days a, that's three yeah. days out of the whole week <laughs> yeah. that you don't that you gotta sleep yeah, yeah exactly. and then you gotta hang out with your family yeah, you right. know so it's a juggling act and trying to trying to let go you know yeah listen being an entrepreneur and i can't even imagine something where it's as much of a financial risk as a building and making beer and not even to mention all the legalities that you have to go through and hurdles you have to jump through in order to make and sell beer but just being an entrepreneur with your own business it's stressful is one word um it's just you take on so much doing that. So it's um, so, let, you know, let me answer the question that was originally <laughs> posed. Um, what have I learned? So I actually learned something that was taught to me while I was doing my MBA classes. So um, SU, one of the reasons I chose SU for my uh, classes, uh, other than they were local, is that they had they were one of the few MBA programs that were offering an entrepreneurship track mm-hmm. rather than the traditional marketing finance. Yeah. Um, management, supply chain management. And so I'll never forget, I didn't, it didn't even register with me at the time, but it has been shown to be true. Hmm. So um, they've done a number of studies about uh, entrepreneurship success and what correlates with that. Yeah. Is it appetite for risk? Is it financing? Hmm. You know, what is it? And the one thing that they could only, the, the only thing that they could truly find to correlate with success was the size of your network. Hmm. So, the ability to call on others, um, the ability to, you know, I need something done. 
I know a guy. Yeah. Right. It's not about what you know. It's about who, who you know. know. Yeah. And and that has so hmm. just it's been shown to me. Yeah. Right. It's one thing to have a professor be like, yeah, this is going to make you successful or increase your odds of success. And you're like, oh, and you dutifully write that down in your notebook and move on to actually be in the middle of it and to see it in action. It's so yeah. true. And it's, hmm. it's one of the things I always tell people, you know, um, I try um, with what limited free time I have to mentor and encourage others to start their own business because I, I truly believe that small businesses are what make this country great. Yeah, for sure. And will continue to make this country great and that large mega corporations should, you know, Preach. burn. <laughs> yeah. And so, and so um, that's my, one of my first pieces of advice. Always you, think you, local. And, and, yeah. and always, think always local. you don't know mm. how somebody's going to be able to help you. Yeah. For form sure. relationships and and it served me in the tap room when when i would work behind the bar is be interested oh yeah talk to people they have stories yeah. you know their life is interesting right be interested um and that has a a, a wonderful side effect of people responding but it, 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 you also get to know these people and you, you don't know what problems you're going to face in the future and you don't know what needs you're going to have and the bigger your network the the more opportunity you have for somebody who's a subject matter expert on something you know nothing about yeah and so to, even if you don't engage them to help you to accomplish it you can engage them to help you understand oh hell yeah the problem yeah i mean what better place to network than behind a bar <laughs> without yeah. a doubt man right. without a doubt oh thanks man so now i'm interested in what michael yeah has learned hmm. biggest thing that you've learned biggest thing that i've learned um I would say, I mean, brewing in general, just a lot behind it. I didn't, you know, I brewed a few times before going in, then doing it on a production size scale and not, you know. Having yeah, you were never a home brewer. Right. Like, I, yeah. I home brewed a few times, so it's like, you know, I just jumped in to Both the deep end. Yeah, yeah. Like, my dad pushed me in. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> he was preparing you for life. Fuck you, dad. <laughs> no, I love my dad. He's great. Your um, dad is great. Yeah, but so, I, I mean, just that and then the challenges of working with somebody else as a partnership, you know, there's, yeah. there's a lot behind it. There's a lot behind brewing. There's a lot behind, you know, I was working... Hmm million hours behind the bar and doing everything else and now yeah. i don't have to do that anymore because we're growing and we got we can we got, afford staff yeah, we can afford staff <laughs> we were hiring for you know we hired somebody back there to help me you know yeah. washing washing kegs every week really sucks yeah, was, it, was it rough for both of you um i mean i know kind of the kind of if i correct me if i'm wrong but like kind of the staff and like a lot of the growth to kind of prevent you from having to do everything yourselves. That's more yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it, it is because you like like we were talking about trusting people. You know, correct. Hiring He's, somebody to be behind the bar when yeah. You know what I mean? It used to just be me and Mike here. That was it. Is um, there a different then, challenge besides just the trusting them though? So I mean, you know, you want you want to make the right choices. You want to identify people. In the, you know, I always say we can teach anybody anything. Yeah. You know, I can show you a process. I can help you learn from your mistakes. I can get you to you know put um, screw A and slot B. That's easy. Yeah. With especially with the service industry, it's personality. I yeah. cannot teach you that. And so to identify, I know you you're you're very proud. 
um, to identify. I thought that was bad. I thought you didn't want any foam in your beard. No, that's that's, that's, <laughs> that's the best head retention you've seen. Right I don't there. know who told you that, but they're wrong. <laughs> so there was. Uh, listen, there is some video. Out. Oh no, I'm sorry. It's a, it's actually the opposite. There's some video out there uh, where they basically take a beer into a pint glass, like out of a can or a mm-hmm. bottle, and just dump it yep. straight up and down. Yep. And, you know, it's like all head. Yep. And they say that's how you should. So there was a technique developed by Victory called the slow pour. Yeah. Where you pour aggressively in order to set a very large head, allow that head to settle and compact so it becomes denser. Yeah. And then finish the fill on top mm. of that so you get a very, an extra rich, extra creamy head. See, I watch a lot of John Taffer. And so yeah. what he does is like, he says if you pour... <laughs> With no head, and then you stick a straw in it. The way that it reacts in your stomach, it'll yeah. it'll make it so that you're full off of one beer. Versus yeah. when you actually pour a, a, a good beer, you can drink a few of them because yeah. Yeah. it doesn't it doesn't like degas uh, th- in yeah, your stomach. Yeah, same thing right. with soda; it does the same yeah. exact yeah, thing. Exactly. So. so, and part of the head, and and to Mikey's point, part of forming the head. I mean, it's a sensory experience on your upper lip, um, as mm. well as visually uh, appealing. But by degassing the beer slightly, you're releasing aromatic compounds. Mm. Um, so you get mm. the sensory, the, the olfactory experience, mm. as well as you're not drinking a fully carbonated beverage that right. once it finds its way into your stomach and warms up, it completely degasses and makes you, it, it gives you that sense of fullness. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. What the hell was I saying before? We were talking about the... Besides just trusting somebody. Oh yeah. So again, you can't teach personality. So when you're when you're on the hunt for staff, you 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 got to judge somebody. You got to you got to be able to to look at them and say, you know, this person is going to how's their personality? Yeah. How, yeah. how, how are they going to interact how with customers? Because yeah. we get all kinds of customers. Oh, we get I'm we sure. get easy customers and we get difficult customers, and it doesn't matter what type of customer hmm. it is. You know, we get customers in. Who again? They're they're macro drinkers, and so you put different things in front of them, and they're unvarnished in their yeah. opinion. And you just have to remember in the back of your head that's just not you know they don't they don't like Swiss cheese, so I won't give you Swiss cheese again, yeah. right? And so, um, but when they you know when they shit all over your beer, you just gotta keep it in the back of the mind. It's not because the beer's bad; it's because they don't like those flavors, and that's yeah. okay. They're allowed to not like those yeah. flavors. But if, you know, you get somebody behind the bar who gets their ego involved about that, mm-hmm. that's a problem. Because yeah. I, I, I like customers. Right. I do. Yeah. And so... I like feedback. Yeah. Uh, and without a doubt. And, and the problem, you know, the problem there is, is sifting out the feedback from the opinion. Yeah. Right? So, and it's one... Th- again, I don't judge you that you don't like IPAs. Great. Yeah. Okay. You're... And one of my favorite questions for people... When they come in and they're not, they, they don't know what they want. How do you like your coffee? Mm-hmm. If you like your coffee yeah. black, you're, you're okay with bitter things. Right. If you like your coffee cream and sugar, you like sweet things. And I can go with that. I, yeah. can, I, can, I can find something based on that. But, um, yeah, finding staff, hmm. um, work ethic. Um, yeah. you know, Mikey's helper actually was, um, uh, we'll just call him an assistant brewer because that's what he is. Uh, Mikey's assistant brewer was helping us in our backyard last year, getting it ready for uh, licensing hmm. for the SLA. So we had to clean it up. Yeah, and dude was out there, just kicking ass, hmm. head down, not complaining. It was hot as shit. Yeah, digging in the dirt, pulling weeds, chopping trees. 
No yeah, complaints. Sam, Sammy's a hard worker. Dude, he's yeah. just he's well, just a heads down. And so hard when he worker. told me he didn't have a job, I was like, hey man. And then he tells me every day. He's like, I never thought I'd work in a brewery. That's yep. awesome. I was like, me neither. Yeah. And so, but here we are. <laughs> so the sense of appreciation, the work ethic. Again, I can teach him. Yeah. Anything. Right. It's not. That's that's bad in and of itself is the process. Yeah. What I need is somebody who wants to be here. Hmm. And so, um, uh, and then in the front of the and that's back of the house. That's yeah. the back of the house is easy, yeah. relatively speaking. Front of the house is tough because. Um, finding somebody who's got the personality and the work ethic um, is it's a difficult combination. Yeah. Let me ask, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I was what, 2021 back in 2008 when the recession hit Mm -hmm. and I was talking about it in the last, the conversation I had with Margaret McCormick, but um, you know, at the time I owned a furniture store and I still was young, too young at the time to really fully understand what was going on. Uh, but our, the store closed pretty much immediately. Yep. And so I don't really remember a whole hell of a lot. I definitely was not in the restaurant industry at the time. Yep. And the restaurant owners that I work with now, you know, they're like, you know, what the one industry that's kind of recession proof is food and beverage. Yes. Having said that, I'm everybody's s- got to eat and eat drink. And drink. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if, if they stop going to the concerts and the movies, they still go out to eat. Correct. I'm still obsessed with it because I know it's coming soon. Sure. And I'm just speaking of going to the movies. That shit is expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you the last. Well, Star Wars or was that's I just went over no, the Avengers. weekend. Avengers is what just came out. And the idea, so I think the movie tavern has a, a yeah. solid model. That's where I went, and yeah. I spent one hundred and thirty something yeah. dollars. Correct, just, but <laughs> correct. I, I enjoyed beers. myself. Yeah. So, and you had the option to go to. You could have gone to a cheaper theater. Have you heard about I mean, these pod movie but theaters I got to, in New York I got City? to recline no. in a chair. There's these movie theaters in New York City. It's you each. You get into a pod. Okay. And it's essentially a double sized mattress. Like a, like like the sleeping pods for the Japanese salarymen. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's kind of weird. But it's got a screen in it. <laughs> but the, it's in a movie theater. They give you a blanket. They give you pillows. Yeah. So my I question is, between much. films, do they change the linen? Uh, actually, I would hope so. You know, I would the, hope so as well. The joke is that the you know the blankets you know feel a certain way. So yeah. you know they give you. Listen, I, you know. Take a few ecstasy pills. Right. Go, uh, <laughs> feel sit, the sit in the pod. And <laughs> when I lived in Texas a couple of years ago, they had theaters like that there. Mm-hmm. Not with a bed, but you could recline. They gave you a sure. like blanket, like an airplane blanket. And I went to one theater there once, and the person sitting next to me was just gnawing on a pickle the entire time. <laughs> and it drove me crazy. I do not want to go to a movie and have to smell your chicken parm next to me eating sure. I want to watch my movie. I want to drink Coke. I want to eat popcorn. So, and I think that's the challenge. You know, I guess we're getting off on a bit of a tangent here. <laughs> that's a challenge for theaters is that I have a 50-inch plasma television. Nothing, you know, yeah. it's not like an 80-inch crazy right. whatever, whatever. It's a, but it's a nice yeah. TV. Um, I can, you know, um, if I'm patient, I just wait for it to pop yeah. on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whoever's going to carry it. Or a criminal, it. you'll pirate it. Yeah, well, and that's <laughs> and that's a discussion for another time because, um, you know, as the as the distribution platforms fragment, right? They're, they're, it's going to be a return. People yeah. don't want to pay cable level. Do you have cable? I don't, but we have every subscription you could think of. Yeah. Oh. So I mean, we have Amazon and Netflix, and that covers yeah. just about everything. You know, I've got so little time at the end of the day anyway. Yeah. You know, uh, the wife has her cereals that she enjoys, and I'll hop on for an hour, and then that's it. I'm done. Yeah. 
Um, so you know, I've been watching Power Rangers. <laughs> I swear to God, I've been binging uh, Game of Thrones, which is oh, nothing no, what season to you are? Uh, season four. So I've, I've you know, watched you only have two more seasons to go. <laughs> yeah. I've watched it all. <laughs> like I've seen it in real time. Just watched the last season. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca has never seen it. Oh, nice. So is she watching it with you? She is. However, uh, with her and I watching it, we're at season one, episode five. Oh, so she still hasn't learned not to fall in love with characters. <laughs> yeah. Right. But because she either works out of town sometimes or Rebecca's in bed early and I'm up mm-hmm. late. I'm on season four, so we, sure. you know, so I just binge it. And yeah. I also like to have the TV on while I'm working on my computer. Okay. So, uh, you know, we started talking about the movies because I'm obsessed with this rece- with the recession. recession. Sure. And so my my question for you is, for both of you, is what uh, have you thought about it? Is if endlessly you, okay. So what's do you have a plan? you don't have to real don't tell us your plan, but like what are you thinking about how is that going to change or how are you kind of getting ready for it for as a business owner so um it, it, what it is actually doing is is um preventing pulling a trigger on growth yeah so we're you know we've just about erased our nut from opening mm-hmm. right so we're, awesome. ge- we're getting to the point where the debt that we went into in order to get off the ground is is um gone mm-hmm. And so growth always involves either debt financing or yeah. equity financing. And so if we can find somebody that we, A, believe deserves a seat at the table and B, has the capital to, to buy in, that would make the decision a little easier. But yeah. to debt finance in a market of uncertainty, is it's, it's almost impossible. Yep. Um, and you know, we can, because we're small and because we keep our overhead low and, and because the nut is almost gone, if we were to get hit with a recession, we can, um, lower our prices and, and cater to a, um, consumer that has less buying power Hmm. where we're at right now, because we're not under the weight of, of, a, a debt financing. Yeah. Um, hmm. so you look at, so I'm, I'm, I was keeping the back of my head. There was a, uh, I don't know the name of it. I've just heard stories of it. There was a bar, uh, right outside a carrier that hmm. was very famous for its, uh, it had like 10 cent bean sandwiches. Huh. So it was white bread and baked beans with ketchup. <laughs> I don't know if the ketchup was extra. And then whatever American light lager they stocked was super cheap. I think it was like 50 cents Wow. for a glass. This was and in... And the guy just did volume. This is right. what, 2008? No, this, this was ages ago. No, this oh, okay. is when Carrier was in full swing. Gotcha, okay. I, so, I, again, when I worked at Lockheed, hmm. I worked with some guys who had worked when at Carrier. When gas was a dollar. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, <laughs> I, I worked with guys who had worked at Carrier, and they would talk about this place. And so, um, if you can, Big you know, <laughs> come on. So, guys would go in on their lunch yeah. and get two bean sandwiches and three beers, and the <laughs> beans were just there to, to keep their blood alcohol level yeah. down to acceptable limits. Um, but I'm going on the beer diet, (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) excuse me. Um, you know, you adapt, right? So, uh, in a recession, consumers are going to have less buying power. There's going to be less consumers for your product. We sell a luxury product. Let's understand that. Yeah. Um, for the cost of a pint, somebody is, is the better way there towards a suitcase of your name, your favorite. Yeah. I mean, listen, I show up at my buddy junkie Joe's house with, you know, a growler or two from here, and you know he has a thirty pack of PBR. Yeah, exactly. Stroh's fire brood. Yeah, and so it's, um, you know, um, I think that 
Founders what, all day. What, what, well, and, and so, and that's it, right? So is that craft beer? No. Right? PBR? No, Founders oh. all day. <laughs> oh, I was going to say. Right? And PBR so has a blue ribbon. I think, it's, I think it's excellent beer. I think it's delicious. I don't know if I'd call it craft anymore. Founders, so. I would not consider that. A craft beer. Yeah, and you know, back to your question well, earlier. Is that, is that everything that you find is at Wegmans is not a craft beer? Anymore? I wouldn't say that, but I would argue that everything you find at Wegmans that's under eleven dollars is not a craft beer. Yeah, so it's it, and it's diff- so you know what we're doing. One of the things that we do. So here, when I get a four pack or a six pack for nine ninety nine, then it's not craft beer. <laughs> well, so <laughs> and this is uh, you know this is a discussion, an argument, whatever you want to yeah. call it, where. You know, and I think the industry itself is struggling with this. Um, but I digress. The you look at the, the little guys. The little guys don't have economies of scale yet. Yeah. And so what we're doing, what we're attempting to do, is take local products. Yeah. Make local products from those local products and sell them to our community. Mm-hmm. I think that, hmm. you know, I think consumers are served better when they have 22 choices like they do here. Yeah. yeah I like, mean, they obviously have more choices at Wegmans. You know, they go to Wegmans and they right. get beer from California, they get beer from Oregon, yeah. they get beer from Belgium and Mexico, wherever. When, when you're saying local, like we use Cafe Cabal for, uh, yeah. for our coffee. For our coffee, coffee. correct. And, right. Because and, they're and a local company you know. who are manufacturing locally. They are hiring local people. And yeah. so... Um, when a consumer, you know, capitalism works best when consumers have choices. When their choices are narrowed, then the power structure flips to the the suppliers. Yeah, I think I think economies do much better when the power rests with the people who demand products, not with the people who supply products. Yeah, for sure. Just me. Um, but again, um, I think that's half the reason, or even more, of why people patronize our industry you know obviously it's about the product you got to make good beer but what it does is it allows people to spend their dollars locally yeah and then those dollars go to people who also live in their community and they spend hopefully spend their dollars locally yeah and the rising tide lifts all boats and so um you know when we have companies when we have mega corporations where yeah budweiser employs a good number of people at its brewery here in Baldwinsville. They do. Yeah. The lion's share of the money that people spend on Budweiser or any other out-of-state manufacturer doesn't stay in the state. Right. You know, setting aside the argument about taxation and havens and tax avoidance, the money just it doesn't stay in the state. Yeah, for sure. Whether it's being properly taxed or not, it just doesn't stay in the state. And so when we set up an economy, when we favor economies that are local, we do the locality does well when we favor um, manufacturers and economies that focus on sending dollars away from where they're being spent. That is, in my opinion, uh, detrimental. Yeah, right? I, I it, mean, it's, I mean, and you can't, you know, obviously, I, I spend money at Amazon. I do. Oh, for sure. Come on, yeah. Uh, that they have things that I can't find locally. Yeah, and there are. I mean, listen, you know, I, I think of the mayor's race a couple year or last year and you know chris fowler was running and you know who's more who had been more of an advocate for local in syracuse than chris fowler and you know they syracuse.com does this article about how he had hired all these services that were out of state yep. or out of area and i understand that and i understand the taxes and you know the money stays here in the community and all everything like that 
There's just some times where you get a better product, a better service. Listen, the Eat Local CMY card, I just spent the last two and a half months trying trying to find someone here yep. that would print it better. Yeah, I, honestly, just trying to find somebody that would print the exact you, same You're willing to spend a, a premium yeah. in order to keep dollars. And that's and, and I'm right there with you. And again, sometimes there is no answer to that. Yeah. And so, again, I think part of that is because, you know, um, we we fell in love post-World War II with this idea of mechanization, industrialization. We were going to somehow um, efficiency ourselves out of having to have jobs, yeah. and that'd be great. And it didn't really matter where the product came from. And I think that was a bit of a falsehood, and we're beginning to learn the consequences of, again, you know, we, we joke about movies and, and cable companies. That I don't know anybody who likes their cable provider. Yeah. Nobody. Zero. And, and part of that is, is because when you're a monopoly, you can you don't have to give yeah. a shit about customer service. I actually like Spectrum, but you know, that's, you know, we won't talk about that. Really? I do. Okay. It's just, wow. it's the same thing every month. I don't have to worry about it. No, without a doubt. But so, I mean, have you ever had to resolve an issue with them? No. There you go. Yeah. And so, and, and in the end, at the end, you know, it's about the customer dummy. Yeah. And so <laughs> when you're, when you're the only game in town and the customer says, Hey, can you change that? Yeah. The company's like, you know, if that's going to affect me in any way or cost me any money, the company can be like, pound sand. Yeah. I'm the only game in town. What are you going to do? But this is what I wonder most about with the recession is right now, like, for example, you know, Rebecca and I, we live on the north side. We don't live in a desirable part of town, mm-hmm. you know, horrible school district, the whole nine. But it's a house I bought that was cheap two years ago. Sure. So, um, And so, you know, we've been looking because of the plan is in the next two three four years get a bigger house start having kids family all that stuff but we have this kind of like hopes and dreams conversation of should we sell right now because we're never going to get more money for the house than we will today right because everything's so overpriced the housing market yeah so i i got my house at when they were at the lowest point really yeah yeah so right like uh, I got ours for 119, and mm. I think it's worth 160 right now. Yeah. Wow! And well, in t- in four years. Listen, I go on Zillow constantly, and especially in Skinny Atlas, because the dream for me, our family's had a camp on Skinny Atlas since my grandfather, my grandfather back in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s. If you had a jukebox, a pinball machine, or a cigarette machine anywhere in Central New York, you had to get it from him. Yeah. And so you know he was a wealthy guy and. We they always we have always had a camp on Skinny Atlas mm-hmm. except for the past three years. Mm-hmm. So the hope is the dream is to buy a house in Skinny Atlas. Yeah. I've been looking at prices on Skinny. It's bananas. <laughs> they just jumped like forty percent, two hundred sixty I mean, plus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, that's if you can find a place yeah, on the lake for two sixty. I mean, there's actually a five hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah. There's bananas. a ninety-six acre plot of land. It's like a campground, but it has like this house on it. I forget how much lake frontage, but it's like 2.5 million, sure. which is a steal for that. And so, you know, I'm constantly texting my brothers, joking. I'm like, it's only $15,000 a month, guys. We can. What's we the can lottery at right now? Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, um, I think it all ties together, right? So the, the idea that, you know, we're all waiting for the next recession, the idea that um, you have um, prices, in, whether it's inflation in the housing market or consumer price index, whatever you want to look at. I think that uh, a part of the problem is is you have such a wide disparity. Yeah. Now, I'm I'm a capitalist, yeah. without a doubt. Um, I just think that uh, unchecked, 
uh, when when the gap becomes too big between the bottom and the top, mm-hmm. it causes all kinds of problems. Yeah. Like, um, you know, there's always been boom bust cycles, but the closer the the top is to the bottom, the less pain everybody feels. Right. Um, the closer the top is to the bottom, the less span you have in housing prices. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I'm not a communist. Um, <laughs> I do believe in social services. I, I believe in a, in a yeah. safety net that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, if I didn't have my wife's health insurance, I never would have done this. Not yeah. in a bazillion years. And so I think that you unlock a lot of unrealized potential out there when people don't have to worry about, you know, if I, you know, uh, break my leg while pulling mm-hmm. ceiling tiles down, right. trying to get my business off the ground that I'm going to be screwed because I have no ability to handle that. Yeah. Right. So I think that when mm. you, you, when you set up a net underneath people, they're much more willing to get out on that tightrope yeah. and take a chance and make a business and grow the economy. Yeah. Right. Um, rather than working in a job they hate yeah. and are horribly inefficient at because they hate it. Yeah. Unless if there's a time to quit your job and go do what you're going to do, now's the time. Yeah. Cause in six <laughs> months you're really not going to have that ability. Yeah. Uh, or at least not make the same amount of money. Yeah. All right. So question that I ask pretty much everybody <laughs> on the podcast uh, over the last few episodes is uh, what's the one thing, and this is going to dinner. So what's the one thing that you have in your pantry, in your fridge, that's always there. If you need, if you're going home and you're making dinner and you have nothing, you can make that. What is it, Mike? Last night, I had a bowl of Fruity Pebbles, and my daughter is going to hate me for it. <laughs> but I literally was... That is awesome. I was... <laughs> no other options. It's not like, oh, I just grill a chicken breast. I mean, I mean it was like <laughs> eggs or, you know, yeah. everything was frozen. I didn't wanna, That's awesome. So it was Fruity Pebbles. My daughter's super pissed at me this morning. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's I think that, honestly, is my favorite answer so far. Yeah. To date. Well, that, was, that was last night's venture. <laughs> I love a good bowl of cereal for dinner. Yeah. Um, we always have, uh, it's a little weird. It's called Welsh rarebit. I've never heard of that. Yeah. So it's uh, an English cheese sauce and okay. Stouffer's makes it and they freeze hmm. it and, and you can either nuke it or bake it in the oven. Yeah. And traditionally it's just, you pour it over toast. Okay. Oh, like shit on a shingle. Yeah. Like it's, but without the chip. Uh, beef. Well, so it's it's it's, it's the sauce. It, it's a sauce. It's not a gravy. So um, you can make it yourself at home. It's basically just a uh, sounds interesting. Yeah. Roux with cheese. So mm. I got introduced to it by my mom, who makes this um, uh, dish. I don't even know what you would call it. It's an English muffin, cooked chicken, mm. slice of tomato, and a mm. piece of a slice of bacon cut in half and crisscrossed over the top. And then you drown it in this fucking cheese sauce. Really? And dude, it's just like... Wow. It's one of my wife's favorite meals. It's obviously one of my mother's favorite meals. And mm. I mean, it's it's actually funny. The The name of the um, cheese sauce is actually a dig at the Welsh. Yeah. So it was originally called Welsh Rabbit mm. because the joke was when a Welshman goes out hunting, he comes back with nothing and the wife has to cook up cheese sauce. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it just got bastardized when it got here in America to Welsh Rabbit. Instead of Welsh Rabbit, um, but it's um, it's fantastic. It's like it's a awesome. super sharp cheddar cheese sauce mm. that just like I, I take a bath in it. Yeah, and and it, again, it's frozen, so it's always in my freezer. That's awesome. Always. So, because we're sitting here with you two, I'm gonna ask this question: What's your favorite beer mm. that you've ever had? 
My favorite beer that I ever had? Wow, that's a good question. That's that a good is, question. That is a really good question. I'm I'm going to shout out to Saul. His he makes a foreign export stout mm. with a touch of Brett hmm. that is it's sublime. It's just it's fantastic. Um, I mean, I it, you know, check my it, for it, this. it's it's easier. I have an easier time with what are my top three. Yeah, right? that's right. You know, I, it, what mood am I in? Yeah. What's the temperature outside? I mean, it's yeah, I get that. Um, if, if I had to name one as as just one of the best, if not the best beer I've ever had. It's that foreign export style. It's just, and that, and again, he doesn't make any bad yeah. beer. All of right. his beer is fantastic. Um, but that foreign extra stout, excuse me, foreign extra export stout is, he rarely makes it cause it's a Brett and, mm. it, and it ties up his fermenters. Um, so to, to get my hands on it is, is it's always yeah. such a treat. Yeah. I bought one of every bottle that day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, his single hop series. So, he, again, he's got a half acre. I think he's got 15 varieties under cultivation, mm. and he does uh, single hop IPAs. Mm. So he'll bitter and flavor and aroma with all the same hop, and wow. it's just, again, mm. it's it's wonderful. There's just too many to choose from. Yeah. <laughs> there really is. Like It was easy to give a shout-out yeah, to Saul yeah, on that yeah, one. Is there an experience, like maybe it's like driving somewhere, visiting, like vacation, and you had this beer? Um, oh, so yeah. So honestly, when I went out to North Carolina, uh, I had this Belgium triple that was eleven and a half percent from Noose River, and it drank like a three percenter. I really, swear to yeah. God, it, it was, was delicious. It was just where is it, North Carolina? Uh, yeah, so right outside of Raleigh. Okay. Um, so I went to my buddy's wedding, and I was like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna hit a few breweries." No, yeah, nobody <laughs> else wants to go to breweries. They weren't. In, into the brewing scene so I was like I'll just take off and go and check it out so went over there and I you know I was impressed I was like wow hmm. this is this is really good beer and yeah. it's all about water treatment and the yeah. water's different everywhere yeah. so like yeah you know one, one of the one of the most often overlooked aspects of the brewing industry mainly because it's hard chemistry and yeah. I don't mean hard isn't difficult I mean it's like it's physical chemistry and right. not everybody's into it um, but it's, you know, 5% Speaking alcohol, you're 95% water. We, we yeah. got to get our water checked now since it's, uh, right warming up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So they take more chlorine out and well, they put more chlorine put, in. Yeah. Put yeah. more chlorine. Well, in I mean, now. you're getting your water from skinny Atlas, right? No. So we're Ontario. Ontario. Are you serious? Yep. I didn't so, know that. So if you, if you reach out to OCWA, the engineering department will tell you exactly where your water comes from. If you give them your address. That's wild. Cause I was just talking to somebody who has a business in Sylvan beach yep. and he gets his water from skinny Atlas. Yep. So, again, there, Water there's table. three main lakes. There's Skinny Atlas, yeah. Atisco, and Ontario that yeah. feed Onondaga County Water Authority. But then uh, I thought it was they just had, Skinny they Atlas. They had blooms, uh, right? And Skinny Atlas yeah. did, yeah. 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 And, and they'll have them probably again this year. Yeah, it's just because it like warms up. Correct, and, and, and you just, get nutrient leach from uh, yeah. surrounding farms. And so that's the nice thing about Ontario. It's, it's so, so big, huge. it can't, yeah, it just so washes up. Like in, in order to alter the chemistry of that water, requires a lot of whatever chemical you need a big boat at. to go out there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i don't make this a long answer but have you ever thought about pulling in different water and trying it no no i i, I honestly am in love with the water we have here really? in central uh, in love yeah i, I love mean it. It, it for us 
you could always use distilled water, but uh, to get our hands on, you know, 140 yeah, quantities, yeah. yeah, 148 oh, for, yeah, gallons. That's a shit ton of, of water. Yeah. Yep. So, and there are, so you go over to Gordon Biersch, they run a full RO system yeah. and they build it back hmm. and that's, but you know, there are guys who do that and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's more expense. It's more oh, process. Yeah. It's more things to go wrong. And so, you know, we have, uh, a moderately carbonate water. There's a lot of limestone in the area. And so when we make dark beers, we do almost nothing. Hmm. We do a little something, but almost nothing. When we make lighter beers, uh, we, we have to be a little more proactive about it. Yeah. But in terms of calcium, magnesium, um, the, the it's taste, all, it's all good like just, in, in yeah. the water. Like, I mean, it's, it, you don't have to uh, change hmm. much of that. Correct. And, and the, the biggest indicator, drink a glass of water. Yeah. Travel around the U.S. Like, I've, I've lived in the Southwest, I've lived in the Midwest, and I've lived in the Northeast. If I could bring tanks from, like, the, you know, <laughs> there's this one spot over at, uh, in Mexico, um, what is it, the, the waterfalls there, um, Salmon River Falls. Yeah. So on the side of the roads, there's like... The springs. Yeah, there's springs. And it is the cleanest. Hmm. Fr- and there's signs that say, don't drink this water. But I'm over there just yeah. like, ah, Because <laughs> it, it. I mean, from a... The it's best, not been yeah. treated. Right. Yeah. Other than the fact it's just filtered through God knows how much sand and stone. And, which and stone. Yeah, and just it, it comes everything. right out of the yeah. stone. Yeah. You know? And mm. it's just, yeah. just great. That's wild. Yeah. I would, so I would love to use some of that. It's, it's actually one of the greater natural resources that we have here in the Northeast that is going to come under yeah. demand Very as quickly. the rest of America just like, starts to run just out like, of water. Yeah, just like California, they're in a drought. They've been in a well, drought. Well, no, I mean, they're technically know. no longer. No, yeah, but I'm just saying. That it's but just, they will be again soon, I'm yeah. sure. So, and it's uh, it's tough. You ever, Fuck global warming. You, you, sorry. You ever heard of uh, <laughs> you ever heard of T Boone Pickens? No. Huge oil magnate out of Texas okay. shifted into wind energy because yeah. he was smart. Tried to build a pipeline from the Great Lakes mm. to the Southwest, mm. and every government he approached was like, "Kiss my ass." <laughs> and it's smart because again, that we have the largest reserve of fresh water in this country. And fresh water is going to be, in my opinion, it'll be the next oil as, oh. we, as we go forward in time. I mean, I just think of, you know, granted, it's, well, no, I mean, this was legit, but. Um, I love how this is an uh, local CNY <laughs> podcast and we're talking global geopolitics. The movie, The Big Short. Yeah. You know, at the end of it, they talk about, I forget the guy's, the actual the investor. person's name. But yep. at the end of it, they say he's now, he's been purchasing water. Yep. You know. Because he's a very smart guy. Right. And I think of, you know, like. You know, I've always been told, you know, the two things that if you're if you want to be really smart with your money, there's two things you should buy. Um, land and water. Yeah. Land and water, you know, specifically for graveyards, land and water. Yep. You know, so, yeah, I, you know, I mean, we'll see that. Oh, without a doubt. And that's, yeah. you know, and you talk An about island in a filter, you, you, you talk about <laughs> starting a family. And that was one of the things that weighed on my mind mm-hmm. is, you know, I brought my daughter into this world and what kind of fucking world yeah. am I going to be leaving her? And so it's, it's tough, man. Yeah. Like you look around, you, you, you make the decision and you actually become a parent. You start thinking about things that, well, yet maybe you paid attention to, you didn't really give a shit about right. because you know what, I'm going to be dead and you know, 30 years, 40, whatever. Yeah. But now that you're leaving something to somebody, it becomes a lot more important. There's a company out of Rochester. I forget the name of them. And, I, and you know, this is back in 2005 when I was a senior in high school. We went, did a field trip out there. And it was one of our teacher's husbands 
uh, was the CFO at this company, mm-hmm. but they could take any form of polluted water and filter it through to make it sure you know drinkable basically sure. i mean they they have those things now that uh it's like in a survival kit yeah, that you yeah. Can do the hydro straws yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. and you can drink out of any mucky water oh yeah, yeah. so i have those tablets I, and all that stuff yeah. you know. so desalination is yeah. going to be the answer you dig down far enough you'll get the ground it's going to be energy intensive and typical yeah. our energy mix comes from things that make the problem worse right yeah exactly so well, there it is, folks. Yay. <laughs> There's our podcast all about the recession and clean water with Mike and Mike at IBU Brewery, <laughs> two experts on the matter. <laughs> thank you for having us, Anthony. Yeah, thank you. I don't even it. know where I was in the recession. We <laughs> 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 were eating cereal. If anybody yeah. out there can do anything about the aluminum tariffs, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Well, there it is, folks. Again, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Do me a huge favor, hit the subscribe button, leave us a review. As always, you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat at EatLocalCNY. You can find us on EatLocalCNY.com. Thank you.